0: The book of Proverbs is where we're going, and I, but we're, we're going to look at three places right off the bat. One is Proverbs 1, and one is in James chapter 1, and one is in 1 Kings chapter 3. There's several places that we're going to go. I'm excited about this study because as I look at my life, my understanding of the world... I realize it is insufficient. What I know is not going to take me to the next place God wants me to go. I have to learn more. And uh, uh, many of you have already been where uh, my wife and I are about to head, into the grandparent role, Uh, Lord willing, next, uh, you know, January, somewhere in there, February, maybe March, April, we're not sure. Um, we'll ask ask Lucy what you know. Whatever works best for her, but uh, we're we're excited about that. But that, along with being a, a, a new pastor um, and, and and some changes in our family, kids growing up and moving out and and trying to ad, adjust and learn uh, about my roles that God's given me, and I find myself insufficient. And I want to know more. I want to have understanding from God. I need to know what God wants from me and what God has for me to do. I don't care about the marvelous plan that God has for me. I want to know about the marvelous God and what I can do for him. And so that's why I'm excited about the book of Proverbs. I'm going to study it. We're not going to study it by verse by verse, as we have been through the New Testament. But we're going to study it, uh, Lord willing, subject by subject. Tonight will be just an introduction, and we will do our best to understand the purpose of Proverbs. A proverb is a common saying, an old adage, a maxim. Uh, It it means literally uh, proverb. It means something that is put forth, words put forth. Something that people easily it easily comes to mind, and uh, for instance, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. That's a, a common proverb in America. Uh, we mentioned this one on Wednesday. Uh, a watched pot. Right. There's there's so many different proverbs that we have, and some of them are true, some of them are not really completely true, but they're very interesting because they they absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? So, uh, you know, some people say ignorance is bliss, but I don't understand why more people aren't happy than if that's the case. But it, it, the, I thought about the absence makes the heart grow fonder. I thought, I thought you know, um, how can I miss you if you won't go away? That was the old country song. And these, these are proverbs uh, that we have. And, uh, and, and so, in the book of Proverbs, I have to admit, I got a little derailed in the book of Proverbs, because someone kind of mentioned to me or told me that, that Proverbs are a general truth, kind of like, you know, a watched pot never boils. And, and the problem with that, the, these are Proverbs, I believe, that the book of Proverbs is written by the Holy Spirit through a man named Solomon. And so we have to be very careful. I say God derailed. I kind of got sidetracked on the book of Proverbs. I almost devalued it because the idea was, well, we know over there in, in, in Proverbs chapter 24, somewhere in there, where it says, answer a fool according to his folly, answer not a fool according to his folly. And so the idea in my head was, well, you know, it's some general truth, but not necessarily specific truth. And the problem with that is, number one, it devalues it as the Word of God. It is the Word of God. And yes, it needs to be properly applied, like all of Scripture needs to be properly divided, rightly divided, in order for it to be uh, used in the right way. So the book of Proverbs is divine truth and it comes with a necessity you can't just grab a proverb and throw it down and say there you go you have to ask God for wisdom and discernment to go with the proverbs because I may think this proverb applies right here and maybe it does maybe it doesn't but without God's wisdom and helping me understand this I may mess the thing up for instance Answer a fool, answer not a fool. Which one of them is right? They're both right. It doesn't mean they're both wrong. It means they're both right considering the situation. It depends on the situation. So when one is right, it doesn't mean the other one is wrong. It means that God wants me to use this principle in this situation. Do you understand what I'm trying to say tonight? Okay, now, the reason why I got sidetracked is because some people that I respected or someone that I read somewhere and then others agreed with that, I got kind of sidetracked. And I'm going to go back in the book of Proverbs because I need wisdom. And you need wisdom as well. God gives Solomon great wisdom in the book of Proverbs. And it tells us in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, he said, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. In case you're wondering, it's connected. Solomon's wisdom, Solomon's Proverbs are a direct result of how his father raised him. His father's relationship with God set him up for success so that when God appears to Solomon, he was ready with the right answer. It's very important that you and I are working with the people that God's placed in our lives, and we learn these things so we can help set other people up for successfully walking with God. Not just financial success. That's important. But I guarantee you, if you go through the book of Proverbs, uh, you're going to find that there are all different kinds of success. Look at James chapter 1, verse 5. James 1, verse 5. Tonight is going to be an unprecedented night. Off comes the coat. James 1.5, if any of you lack, what's the word, wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men grudgingly, no, what's the word, liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Liberal, we say liberal is bad in our minds. No, liberal is generous, it means God is going to give more than they even ask for and upbraideth not. That means he is not going to call you out on the carpet and say, "Oh, okay, 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 fine, okay, I'll give you wisdom. That's not how his, his response is. He is waiting for you and I to ask him for wisdom. The problem is this. We all want to be wise in our own way. Satan tempted Eve with a fruit that was desired to make one Wise. It was fruit to be desired to make one wise. Well, what's wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with that. Except that the fruit that Satan was offering was fruit that God wasn't offering. God said, You can't eat that fruit. And Satan said, Oh, no, that's the only fruit that you can eat if you want wisdom. You're going to find in the book of Proverbs that wisdom is standing apart from sensual wisdom of this world. Both of them are crying out. The harlot cries out and looks for the precious, simple life. Wisdom also cries without. Both of them are calling out saying, now cover your ears, kids. Wisdom's crying out saying, hey, stupid, come over here and listen to me. And if you're wise, you will come over and you will listen. Listen. But if you're really, really smart and want to be smarter without God, then you're going to go the way of sensual earthly wisdom. He says here, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Now let's go to 1 Kings chapter 3. What is the the necessity if if we're lacking in wisdom, we go to God and what should we do? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask. So I go to God and I do what? Ask. You know what's amazing about Solomon? 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. You see, God came to Solomon and said, Ask. He tells us in James, if we want wisdom, we need to come and ask God. You say, well, I need to know what I should do with my kids, with my finances, my business, with my relationship with my dad. I need to know what I should do at work. I, I need to know what I should do with, with, with my health, with my finances. You need to come to God and you need to ask God. And here we find that God is, is telling Solomon to ask. Look what he says, verse 6. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth. He references his father right out of the gate. And in righteousness and in an uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. If you go to God in prayer, and you ask God for wisdom, and in the back of your mind thinking, I already have like a lot of wisdom. You're not ready to ask God. You're not acting correctly. Here's the problem. When you come to God, you're not saying, I don't know anything. If you didn't know anything, you wouldn't be coming to God. What you're saying is, me compared to what I'm being asked to do in a way that pleases God, not in a way that I understand. Listen, we all got our peeps. We all got our posse that we roll with, and we all think this way, and we're cool with everybody that we, you know, that we roll with. It's, it's not about working out my life according to what my friends tell me I should do. It's how am I going to operate as a believer the way God wants me to operate. When you do that, now you're going to feel like a little kid. I don't know what I'm doing. You ever feel that way? Here's a, here's a, a wonderful thing to know. You actually can't get any wisdom from God until you feel that way. Helpless. Childish. Isn't it true that your wisdom has brought you to this point and you spin your wheels with anxiety and fear and hopelessness because what brought you to this point is not helping you move to the next point? You're spinning your wheels stuck here and the reason why is you think you can gun the engine and get out of the mud. And you can't. You know what you need to do? You need to scoot over... And let God take the wheel. You, you, you ever feel like a total idiot? I, I remember one time, I've told you this story before, but we were up at, at, at a garage sale up in Temperance, and uh, we pulled down this long driveway, and, and we went over and parked in the side, pulled over to the side. It had been raining a few days, but I thought, we're fine. We're fine. And we pulled over there, and uh, it had been raining, and it was muddy. And when we got back in the van to leave, I don't think we bought anything, Yes. And, uh, you know, that's a successful trip as far as I'm concerned. We get back in the van and uh, not, I'm just kidding. I I like to buy stuff at garage sales, but we we get in the van. We gun, we didn't gun it. I just tried to pull away. And uh, of course I was stuck. And you want to feel like an idiot. Bury your wheels up to the axle in mud in someone else's yard. Here I am. And I'm just, I'm what are we going to do? Now, in the old days, we used to have a whole half acre of people on the bus. So we'd get out and we'd push that thing. We'd gun it. We'd get, you know, all kinds of gravel under the wheels and so forth. And and, and here I am. I've got, my kids are all small. And there's my wife. And I said, get in the back and push, Jess. Let's go. And uh, it it didn't work. No, I'm kidding. But we're feeling like, I'm feeling like an idiot. And all of a sudden, a guardian angel named Otis Mitchell appears out of thin air. And I didn't know this, but Otis Mitchell is a redneck. I didn't know that. I think he's from down south, like Alabama or something. And, and, and he's like, oh, this happened all the time growing up. He goes across the street to the auto parts store. He comes back with a tow strap. And he gets under the, the van, and he connects it to the axle. And he, he just, nice and easy, starts pushing the accelerator and pulling us out of the mud. You know what I learned that day? I don't know enough. What I, uh, I don't know anything. I should have known more than that. I'll never forget one time down in, in West Virginia, down visiting my parents for Christmas time. And uh, we pull out, and it was it was snowy, it was icy, and if you've been in West Virginia, you know what I'm talking about. The 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 hills are just steep and very difficult. So I pull out there and we start going up. We're going up the up the The road from my parents' house, we pull up. And all of a sudden, we're not going anymore. I'm pushing the accelerator. We're not moving forward. We're moving backward. And I got scared. And I said, man, I got my family in here. I can't, you know, just play hero and figure it out. So I got out. There was a guy that actually had come with us up from from Florida. uh, And and he hopped in there. And he'd grown up on, on the roads. And I just hadn't driven very much in the ice and snow. And he hopped in there and he helped us back out. And we got to where we were going. Another time we were down there in West Virginia and all of a sudden uh, I'm pulling out. I didn't think it was that bad. But before we know it, um, I'm sliding and they have these huge, you know, ditches on the side for the water that comes down from the mountain. Before I know it, I'm sliding down into the ditch, trying to stay on the road, but I couldn't stay. I fell in there. Once again, here I am. What am I going to do? I don't know. So I hop out. My dad was right there. We just hit around the curb from the house, and he comes and he says, "Well, what you need to do is you need to get some some gravel." And he goes and he, he gets a shovel and he starts putting gravel under the wheel. And he he uh, he got it under there. And he's like, "Ease it out now." And he's showing us all this stuff. And you know, I I you know I learned again that day. I'm an idiot because you know I, I can get that thing out of there. I can't pull a minivan out of a ditch. You see, what happens sometimes, we get into situations because of our own stupidity or because God wants us to learn something. And the very first thing you have to do, what I realized is, you have to let somebody else tell you what to do. I could have been like this. Otis, come up. Otis, with a strap. Oh, the strap, exactly. Otis, thanks for coming. I was just about to go over and get one of those. I I always use a strap. Strap is number one. I don't know why. It must have been my wife took it out of the van. We always have a strap. Or or, or we're going down, you know, up the the hill, and and we're going backward, and I go, hang on, kids, this is the best part. It's going to be great. You like Cedar Point. You're going to love West Virginia. Yeah, idiot. So I'd hop out and let this guy get in my car and drive. Of course, I've got everybody out of the van. What do I feel like? Here comes my dad. He has to help me out of the ditch. You're not going to get anywhere unless you realize that you have to ask for wisdom. Ask. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you felt incapable and you called out to God? That's the last time you got wisdom from God. You know what? So what have you been running on the last few months and years? Guess what? Your own earthly wisdom. You know you get tired of the Christian life, you get burned out, you get wiped out. You just kind of get that angst, kind of malaise. Uh, you know, we've got to get a church for the family, you know, make sure we're faithful, don't want people to talk. You know what you're running on? You're running on earthly wisdom. And here, God comes to the king of Israel. The, the, the chosen son of God's favorite king, a man after his own heart and he's the chosen one, and God comes to him and he says, I'm a child, I'm a child, I'm a child. You know that one of the best things you can do if you, don't, if, if you are wanting wisdom, you can admit what God says about you and what God says about me, that we need his wisdom. Now, I know I said it, and I know you heard it, because we all hear <laughs> the same, but you got to believe it, that you really need his wisdom. Not just, oh, yeah, that would be nice to, you know, God's given me, really, I, I, I basically, i got everything I need. If God could just throw an extra scoop you know, of ice cream on top, that would be great. No. My ice cream fell out of my cone, God. i got nothing. That's the way you've got to come to God as a child. That's what he said. He says in verse number 8, he said, "...thy servant is in the midst of thy people which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give, therefore, thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people." That I may be discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord. The Lord listened and said, "Nice speech. I like it." But Solomon had asked this thing, and God said unto him, "Because thou hast asked this thing and hast not asked for thyself long life." Neither hast to ask riches for thyself, nor hast to ask the life of thine enemies. You know, I, I have to stop here for a moment and say, in my mind, I watched my predecessor here at Pope Baptist go for 40 years, and I, I, I love his consistency, his faithfulness, his testimony. And in my mind, I thought, you know what I want to do? I want to follow that man. I, want, I, I came here to follow him and to learn from him, and, I, and in my mind... I have this idea, I'd like to pastor for 20, 25 years, who knows, however long the church would allow me to pastor. You know, he he didn't ask, Solomon didn't ask for a long ministry. It's interesting. We talk about being faithful, we say faithful means years and years and years, and a lot of times it does, but that's not what he asked here. He didn't ask for a long life. We think, of course, if God's going to give me a good gift, it's going to be a long life. I'm going to last. I mean, close to forever. What if God doesn't want you to have a long life? What if God wants your life to be shorter than the average lifespan of people who were born in your year? What are you going to do? Solomon didn't ask for life. He didn't ask for riches. God, if you would just, I just, if you could add like a zero to my bank account. On the right side, not the left side. Add another zero, and, and I'm pretty sure, God, if you were to do that, I could be so free. And hey, there's, there's some freedom in having the, the money that you need. But he didn't ask for that. If I could just get a raise. Man, I'm working so hard. I'm not getting nothing. They're not paying me nothing. He didn't ask for that. You know what else he also didn't ask for? He didn't ask for God to make things right. There's a bunch of people out there that have made my life miserable. And if God would just, as they say down south, jerk a knot in their tail and just get them to think like me, I'm, I'm sorry, get them to think like you, then everything would be great. Solomon didn't ask for that. Solomon asked for peace. He didn't ask for the pox solomana. What did he ask for? He asked for an understanding heart. And the Lord said, you didn't ask for those things, but has asked in verse 11 for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall there any arise like unto thee. Isn't it true what he said? If anyone ask of God, if any of you lack wisdom, let ask of God, who giveth to all men what? Liberally, man, that's a liberal God right there. He said, "I'll give you so much that there's never been a man like you on this earth." And if God says that, if God says that about you, it's true. You know what? You don't have to worry about. You don't have to worry about other people thinking that you're great. You just got to worry about pleasing God and let God give you what he wants to give you. Everybody else already knows what's going to make you successful. But you know who actually knows? God knows. God knows what's going to make you the success that he wants you to be. And the word success is a Bible word. It's used one time in scripture. It's used there in Joshua chapter 1. Look it up. God wants to give you something more than you can imagine, but not for you, for Him. If you will yield your life and your mind and your body to Him, He'll do more for you. Hello, R.G. Letourneau. Hello, J.C. Penny. You can name it over and over and over again. Men who said, uh, John Wanamaker. You can, you can say, uh, look at these men who said, God, I'm giving you everything, and God did more through them than they could have done with themselves. And still, J.C. Penney is still, though it is in the the death throes and has been for years, it's still uh, existing. Why? All because somewhere back there, a man decided that he wanted to do something for God and let God use him. Not a perfect man. God could do more with you if you'd let him make the choice than instead of trying to figure it out and get God to stamp it. Look at chapter 4, verse 29. God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Ezraite, Heman and Chalcol, and Darda the sons of Mahol. And his fame was in all nations round about. And he spake 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. Well, what kind of a dork was he? He wasn't a dork. He was a naturalist. He was a scientist. He was an inventor. It says in verse 33, he spake of trees from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even under the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. You can tell kind of what you think of wisdom if you think that a person who studies trees is an idiot. If that's what you think, that shows what you know about wisdom. Solomon's wisdom was real, earthy, practical, helpful wisdom that helped people in real-life situations. You know what you need and I need? If we're going to be lights that shine in this dark and wicked and perverse nation, if we're going to be holding forth the word of life in this, in this, this wicked world, we're going to ha- need to have some wisdom that works. Wisdom that God can use in people's lives. People talk, walk up to you and they're crying in the break room and and, and you're thinking, well, I don't want to talk to them. People have struggles and they're like, I'm having this problem with my car. I don't know what's going on. And you don't know what to say. You've got no ideas. You've got no wisdom. Well, they just need to get saved. Yeah, they do. And maybe God could use how you interact with them about real-world problems and solutions that you can provide, like how to get your flowers to grow with your neighbors. They ask you, how do you do that? Well, here's what I do. What do you put in your chocolate chip cookies? You say, that's foolish. Yeah, but it's where people live. You want to tell people about God? You're going to have to have some real knowledge about the real world. I say the real world, the physical world. If you're going to get people over to the next world, you need to learn. You, you know what happens? They say, and I don't know if this is true, but they say that supposedly TikTok feeds certain videos to certain kids uh, in certain nations and then other videos to other nations. Like what I've heard, and I don't know if this is true, uh, but that, 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 that China uh, doesn't allow kids on TikTok to watch all the stupidity. You, know, you, ever, you ever notice how much, you know, epic fail videos are in your stream. All the nonsense of weird, crazy stuff that means nothing. But they say in other countries, uh, they feed that junk to these kids and let it go through, but they won't allow it in there. Now, whether that's true or not, I know that there is a devil behind this wicked world system. And he has every desire that he can to keep not only kids, but all adults hung up on the minutiae of fuchsia. I mean stupid stuff that doesn't mean anything. And we what do we do? We scroll, we look, we watch. When's the last time you watched a documentary where you actually learned something that you could then take into your next conversation? Well, it's just like Captain what was his name? There was some guy, it was like a big war. Sorry, moment's lost. It doesn't mean anything. You've got to have something at at the ready, because what God will do. If you're if you're learning, I was I was watching a, a guy that I, I, I have who are not on the same side at all. But I was wondering about this: the Earth, I'm sorry, the Sun rising. Do you know there's only one day for those of us in this area, unless we're living on the equator. There's only one day in the Earth in, in the year where the Sun actually rises due east and sets due west. I didn't know that. It migrates north. It migrates south. It it, it basically just moves. If you're at the Arctic Circle, it's just 24 hours of daylight. The sun just goes around the horizon. And I didn't realize that. Well, what good does that do? Well, I tell you what. If I'm ever talking with somebody and they say, well, sure, the sun rises in the east. I can say, well, I guess you're not that sure, are you? Because it doesn't rise directly due east. It, it goes to northeast, and it goes to southeast. You say, well, what good does that do? It helps me realize that I don't know everything. It makes me curious, so that when I hear a conversation, I can insert something that's actually helpful. You, you've got some practical skill with your life. That's the kind of stuff that Solomon had. Look what it says. He spake... Of trees from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even unto the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. You know, the Bible talks about the cedar tree and the hyssop. Study it out. He spake also of beasts and of fowl and of creeping things and of fishes. The characteristics of those animals and what they can teach us of God and how we can take... You know something about fish. You know... Um, Brother Jason Murphy from uh, Open Door Baptist in Linwood, Washington, they're having a meeting this week, pray for them. But, but he told a story when he went down in Texas, and he told a story about how he uh, was invited by a new believer to come out and go fishing. And they go king salmon fishing off the pier. And he said, uh, I show up there, and, you know, I, I'm, he, he, I he said, I don't think, I think he said, I don't necessarily like to go fishing with all the guys, but there was, there was just a ton of guys on this pier. And so he said, He said, I, I just walked up there, and and he said, this young guy that's just been saved, and he said, you know what we ought to do? We ought to pray before we, we fish. And the guy's like, okay, okay, whatever. And, uh, and so he prayed. And he's like, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to go fishing. Thank you, Lord, help us to catch something or whatever. I don't know what he prayed. And he just started praying. And then he jumped in. All right, let's throw that line out there. This guy that's over here watching him, he says, if you catch a fish, I'm coming to your church. <laughs> He's laughing at him. The, he said the line's going out. Zzzz, and now it's in. Pulling it back. Boom! They start pulling up a king, uh, a king salmon. They pull that thing all the way up, and they get it landed. And that guy comes over there, and he goes, here's my name and number. Tell me where your church is. <laughs> and the guy came to church. He didn't get saved. You know what that guy said? Somebody else came down from the pier and he said, we've been here for eight hours. Nobody's caught one fish. That's pretty amazing. Well, I like to do spiritual things. Well, you should do spiritual things. You should go fishing for men. And you know what to help people to understand? If you know a little bit about something they're talking about and you insert yourself in that and you bring it around. Here's a guy who likes to go fishing. And God could even use what you like if you know something about it. Or you could just scroll. You could just scroll. You know, if you've got a boring job and you do the same repetitive thing, you know what you ought to do? You ought to listen to podcasts. You ought to listen to audiobooks that strengthen your mind, that teach you new things. Listen, I, I like to watch Andy Griffith with the best of them. But I'm not learning anything from Andy and Barney. They're not teaching me anything. They're making me laugh. They're making me chill. I'm relaxing. But we've got to be careful that, that we don't let our mind become a sponge of nonsense. And when God squeezes us, all we got is jokes from friends, all we got is humor from the office. We got, we got nothing of value. You ever realize that it was, it was through humor on sitcoms? That homosexuality was brought in to the mainstream. The first time you ever see two gay people kissing was, I'll bet you, was on television. Am I right? For most people, that's true. You know what that means? There are forces out there that want to keep you stupid. And if you let them, they will. Why? The love of money is the root of all evil. Now, if you're working hard and you're using your brain all day long and you come home and you crash and you're saying, man, i got to watch something, i got to listen to something, i got to, okay. But if your whole life is nothing more than mindless, repetitive nonsense, God wants to stretch you. That's why the book of Proverbs was written. It says there, watch, what, watch it happen. God uses this in his life, 434. And there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth which had heard of his wisdom. You know, there was a queen named Sheba that came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And when she came, she had lots of questions and Solomon told her all her questions. You could take that one of two ways. Either that he answered all her questions or he told her what the questions would be and then answered her. That's pretty amazing. When's the last time someone asked you for a reason of the hope that lieth in you? Can I tell you why? Because you don't know enough. Because no one thinks, oh, you know who we should talk to? She knows everything. She's really smart. And by the way, you don't need to tell everybody you're really smart. Just be smart and people will find out. Amen. You don't have to put on your bio, very smart person. (laughs) If you do that, you're not very smart. Here's some of the major themes of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. Can you tell, I'm going to take some guesses here. This is a little informal tonight. I want to see if you know. I was surprised because I've taught through a series before called Proverbial People, the wise, the fool, the simple, the scorner. But I was really surprised when you start breaking down the book of Proverbs to find the major themes. When I say major themes, the ones that are most often repeated. What would you say would be the number one? The number one thing that I've found so far is wickedness or wicked. You combine with evil and iniquity. That's the number one theme of Proverbs. You know what the number two one? The number two is wise or wisdom, wiser, wisely. That's the number two. God's giving us wisdom to help avoid wickedness, avoid iniquity. The Bible says it's better for us to be simple concerning evil, wise concerning good. And yet, we pat ourselves on the back if we know all the words to a rap song that is wicked. You shouldn't know it. You, you, you ought to be like a babe in the woods when people start talking about filthy, dirty things. To the simple, to the simple all things are, 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 are good. They, have, they don't know. I don't know well, I want, I want to know what's going on. No, you don't want to know what's going on. He that increases knowledge increases sorrow. You're going to find out stuff and it's going to weigh your soul down. It's going to weigh you down. It's going to be hard for you to run the race. Another one is, number three, is mouth or lip or tongue or speak. 130 mentions. There's one, number four, which is way or path. Way or path. There's a way that seemeth with right into a man, to the end thereof, the ways of death. You're on a path right now. Here's what's crazy. What you've been doing up to this point is what brought you here. And what you are doing now is what's going to take you to where you're going to be in five years. You want to scare yourself? You know your financial difficulties? They're because of what you've been doing up till now. You know, to a large degree, your health is a result of the actions that you're taking. It's what you're putting in your body and your your exercise or lack thereof. That's why you're, you know, your relationships and your friends or lack thereof. They're a direct result of the way you've been interacting with people in the past. And it's brought you to this point. We're all on a way or a path. You don't have to stay on the same path for the rest of your life. That's what's wonderful about the book of Proverbs. It will turn the wheel. It'll loosen up the steering wheel so you can go a different direction. Well, I'm just a horrible dad. I just don't spend enough time with my kids. Here's a thought. Turn the wheel. Do something different. Well, I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better soul winner. I want to do better with my money. You can start gaining wisdom and actually applying it and changing your circumstances. Now, you understand, and I do, that God can override, he can veto any of those things anytime he wants. He can do that. You can do your best like Job and still lose everything. But guess what? Job never had to feel guilty that he hadn't, he never wondered, man, I knew God told me to stop. I shouldn't have done that. You know what God was doing? He was able to bring him to a point where he was doing the best he could and then God could teach him even more than, than, than Dave Ramsey could teach him. Even more than the philosophers could teach him. God taught him more. God can teach you more, but you've got to do what you can do. God's not going to take just any old student in his class He's going to take people who are serious. And if you'll be serious, he'll learn you even more than you, know, than you know now. Now, we could go on and talk about the fool and knowledge and understanding and the soul and so forth. But I want to jump forward to our last part here, section, uh, which is uh, four different words used in Proverbs chapter 1. Let's talk about the purpose of Proverbs. Go with me back to Proverbs and let's talk about its purpose. Proverbs chapter 1. He says the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Who wrote, who wrote these Proverbs? Solomon did. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. You can break this down in any ways that you want. I've broken it down according to the verbs. Know, perceive, receive, and Give. So first of all, to know wisdom and instruction. To know is to understand as a fact or a truth. To know wisdom. You have to know that there is such a thing as wisdom. And no, it's not doing the best on your SAT or having a high IQ. That is knowledge. And yes, there are some overlaps. But let me read you what William Cooper said. The one who wrote, there is a fountain filled with blood. This is what he said. Knowledge and wisdom, far from being one, have oftentimes no connection. Knowledge dwells in heads replete with thoughts of other men, wisdom in minds attentive to their own. And he goes on to say that knowledge is found in seeking what other men say, and then wisdom is humble to take in more. Knowledge is proud of how much it knows. Wisdom is humble about how much it does not know. It's a really good barometer for your life. If you feel like you know a lot more than other people, then you don't have as much wisdom as you think. Wisdom is amazed by what it does not know. Why? True wisdom comes from God, and God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble. You say, well, I feel like I'm stupid. I'm serious. God doesn't want you to remain ignorant, but he does want you to approach wisdom with a a childlike faith. Let him ask in faith. If you're asking for wisdom, he said, let him ask in faith like a child. And say, God, I don't know. Teach me. Now, if you come and say, I'm stupid, and you just use that as your card to do anything you want in your life, you know, that's, that's your pass. That's not true, true faith. That, that's not really being honest with God. But if you feel like, I don't know enough, I want to know more. Okay, good. Here's what you got to do. Stop just doing stupid things over and over and over again and start asking God for wisdom so you can grow your knowledge and thus you'll have something with which God can help you piece together understanding. It, 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 the more Bible you know, The more that you have memorized, the more you have read, the more the Holy Spirit has to work with in your heart. Doctrine, by the way, shouldn't puff you up. Knowledge puffeth up. But when you have wisdom, it lifts him up. And then you lift other people up with what you know. So he said to know wisdom. You've got to know there is such a thing as wisdom. And then instruction, you've got to know that With wisdom, you're going to have to have instruction. We talked about this already, but instruction is like a structure, piling something together, placing it together, building it up, assembling it, arranging it, making it join together. That's a structure. Okay, I don't know if you're the kind of person that says, what are we going to eat tonight? I don't know, throw some of that in the pot, throw that in the pot, throw that in the pot, throw that in the pot. All right, put it on. I guess we should heat it up. Stir it up. Got any milk or Mountain Dew? Let's just put it in there. And then maybe some coffee. You got some cold coffee from this morning. Put that in there and stir it up. That's disgusting. Even though you might eat all of those things or drink them in the same meal, you want some structure. This goes here. This goes here. We're going to do this. We're not going to do that. That's what you need with wisdom. You need to be able to have some structure in your life. If everything is this blob amoeba, Where you just kind of float, I don't know, think about this, think about that. You know what you could do? You could write down, this week I want to study this. God, if you will help me, I want to know more about this this month. Put some structure on it. All right, so he says to know wisdom and instruction. That means someone else is going to provide structure for me. I'm going to learn from them. And if you're like me, I'm like, yeah, that's one way to teach it, but there's like a whole lot of other ways. Sounds like a homeschool rebel to me. Homeschool is great for people who want to develop initiative, but the problem is you don't have the reins and structure in your life to stay consistently interested in that subject. and and you want to speak of the flowers that are coming out of the wall, and you don't have any idea what you're talking about. So you study them for three days, and then you forget all about it. I'm a homeschooler, so I can speak that way. I know. It's easy to bounce like a ping-pong ball in an echo chamber everywhere, all over the place. You've got to get some structure in your life. What is it you want to know? If you'll spend some time and allow someone to instruct you, what is that? Put some structure in you. Then you can start learning some wisdom. Number two, he said to perceive the words of understanding. To perceive is to grasp with the mind. To get a hold of it. To thoroughly grasp. Per is thoroughly. And caper, it's a uh, a Latin word, to grasp. You know what else is connected with that word? Conceive. To, to take in and hold. Or how about this? Um, a, a pair of tongs or pincers is called a forceps. And, and today it's only basically used mainly in one, in one setting. But originally uh, that's used in all the, to, to, to talk about pliers or, or it's basically to get a hold of something. Guys, have you ever tried to uh, try to get a hold of something with a pair of needle nose pliers or ladies too, they can use pliers? I'm not saying they can't um, to get a hold of something that's ground off and you can't. Maybe with a a pair of uh, of vice grips, you're trying to get a hold of it and you can't get a hold of it. That's kind of like the word perceive. Perceive is when you finally get a hold of it. You're grasping it. You perceive it. So remember, Eli? was in the temple with Samuel. Samuel lies down. The Lord says, Samuel. And and Eli gets up and he goes in and says, you called me. Eli's like, I didn't say anything. I'm trying to get some sleep. He took some tums. I'm having a hard time sleeping tonight. Go back and lie down. Samuel does it. And the third time, Samuel bothers him and wakes him up again. And Eli, it says, Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. So he had all this data that was coming at him. He had Samuel bothering him. And, and Eli's not right with the Lord. And so he's having a really hard time understanding what was going on. But finally, after the third time, Samuel came and Eli got a hold of it. He perceived it. So it's not that you haven't been living or hearing stuff, it's that you haven't gotten a hold of it. You haven't, you haven't grasped it. You know what the Lord said about uh, in Isaiah chapter 11? About the Lord, the branch, the righteous branch. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. Oh, man, Jesus is the best. He was so quick. But even he humbled himself to go through time. Listen to this verse, Mark chapter 2. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts... Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? What does that mean? The word when is right before Jesus perceived. So this is a, a great lesson for you and I. Jesus didn't know what was going on in their hearts as a human until they thought those things and when he, when he understood what they were reasoning in their hearts. Here's the Son of God and the Son of Man perfectly aligned together. Jesus got a hold of what they were saying. You know what happens in our lives? We go through an entire week, maybe two or three or a month, and we don't get a hold of what God's trying to tell us. We're not able to grasp it. It's almost like our life is is just passing us by and we're reaching out. We can't get a hold of it. The book of Proverbs is written to help you perceive. Oh, now I get it. That's why it's so important that you come to church as often as you possibly can. God will give you that after consistent attendance. God will help you get those pliers of your heart out to grow. OK, now I get it. How many have been saved for 25, 30 years and you just Figured out something that you've been working on for so long. I can raise my hand. Just figured it out. Why? You were there like Eli in the temple. Things were happening. People were coming in and out of your life, but you weren't perceiving what God was doing. See, that's what you and I need. Okay, what's happening with your daughter-in-law? What's happening with your neighborhood? What's happening with that situation at work? The kids, you guys are going back to school. What, what is going on? You want to ask God to help you to perceive what's happening. Everybody else is floating down the river. Why do you and I have to float down the river? Want God to give us something we can grab a hold of. What's going on at your work? What, what are the needs that God has you there for? You got to perceive it. Listen, if your mind is chock full of junk, nonsense, not even filth, but just white noise. If it's chock full of that, you're not going to be able to get a hold. You know what Eli was doing? Eli was getting drunk. Eli was just messing around, letting his kids do whatever they wanted to. And when a young man who was of quick understanding entered into his life, he had a hard time perceiving what God was doing. And you better get a hold quickly. Because you know what happened when, (laughs) when Eli finally perceived that God had called him? God downloaded a huge bunch of information to Samuel about Eli, and it was not good. It was bad news. You see, you and I don't want to be the ones that other people are coming to saying, hey, God's doing this. God's doing this. Now, I'm thankful if I can receive that from them. But let me ask you a question. What is God doing in your life? Why does he have you in your situation? Why does he have those people in your life? Why does he have you here? You want to perceive that. Number three and we're, 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 we're narrowing it down here. This is the intro of, of Proverbs, so we're going to finish out. It says, receive, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. Again, not only is it enough to know wisdom and instruction, but you're going to receive it. That means to take into possession. To take into possession. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. If you're going to get wisdom from God, you must ask and receive. You can't demand. You can only receive. And God will give you. Look what he's going to give you. To receive the instruction of wisdom and justice, judgment, and equity. The last one is to give subtlety to the simple. Now, we won't take a long time here tonight on this, but God wants what we might even see. The Bible says that the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. But God desires to give you subtlety. Subtlety. In other words, you don't have to walk around saying everything that you know and a bunch of stuff that you don't know. God gives you the wisdom like he gave Solomon to say what needed to be said and draw people out. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men. Proverbs is written to give you some subtlety. Do you ever feel like you're just dumb? Proverbs is written for you. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. God's going to help you with the book of Proverbs. And I'm asking you, if you'll join me, to receive this wisdom from his book so that we might better represent our wonderful Lord on this earth. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me?